very intelligent people have decided this has immense value and it is it is going to be extremely limited and it is going to increase in value over time. And obviously you always have to say this isn't financial advice and there's no guarantees, but gosh, if you look at the if you look at the history of it, it sure it sure as heck feels very exciting to own a piece of that property. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with Mike from Crypto Dads Investing. Mike and his friend Naz are two dads that have made it their mission to educate regular people about the financial opportunity that crypto investing offers. Mike and Naz believe that with just a few bucks and a little curiosity, anybody can explore this life-changing technology. Crypto Dads Investing content is targeted at total beginners with zero knowledge on the topic. Mike and Naz teach and recommend only the safest, most secure, and least expensive ways to get started. I personally think this topic is very important and was really excited when Mike reached out to be on the show, and I'm really excited to share the conversation we had. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Mike with Crypto Dads Investing. How are you doing this evening? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, so, crypto dads investing. I'm just gonna before I even try and go down the rabbit hole of what <laughs> all it could be. I'll just ask you, what is crypto dads investing? Crypto dads investing is a company that my good buddy Naz and I started. That its sole purpose is to help the regular person understand and gain benefit from investing in cryptocurrency period because what we found and i'm i i kind of naz was the crypto guru of sorts who led me down the path of understanding and what i whenever we created this this uh course material or lessons or or step-by-step -step procedures we created it as if i was talking to myself before i knew what cryptocurrency was and we like to joke that we take people from crypto curious to crypto crushing it in mm. the sense that so many of us have heard over the last how many three four five years but it, you almost can't go a day or a week now without seeing it on tv uh on cnn on you know msn money or just frankly in a magazine article something about crypto and i feel like there's so many mystical misunderstandings and myths that it kept me on the sidelines. And once I found that way to break through and realize that it can be done safely, securely, and, you know, with confidence in a way that I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was just swimming in a vast ocean where I was going to get gobbled up by a big shark. I knew then that there was this world of potential that we still are so early on in this game that there is immense opportunity. So hence, Crypto Dads Investing was born because Naz and I are two dads. We both have young daughters and we decided to make this for the regular person who doesn't have a tech degree, who's not already a millionaire and who wants to get the benefits that all these savvy investors out in the world are currently 
jumping all in. I mean, when I say all in, they are pushing their chips on the proverbial Texas Hold'em table saying, crypto is the future. Please make make more money for me. And we think regular people should be in that same conversation. Mm, yeah. No, I would. I think that makes a ton of sense. And um, I... I mean, I've not created a course or <laughs> nor do I educate people like you do, but I had a similar path in so much as how I became introduced to crypto. I mean, I heard about it, you know, I'm a a lifelong video gamer and, you know, used to do tech support for uh, a big computer manufacturer. And, and so I've been around technology and, uh, you know, I, so I remember when Bitcoin was first being talked about in the early, I don't know, I don't know, 2010, maybe was the first time I heard about it roughly. And I just didn't really get it. And it did seemed like a, you know, I don't know, like a waste of time or something like an, another social media fad or something, even though it has nothing to do with social media, but just in that same vein. Right. And, um, and then, yeah, within the last few years have really started to come around on a lot and, and have, have met some other people and know some other people that have also similar to yourself where within the last few years, they kind of found a way and to, to, to make more sense of it. So, and you're right, there are so many confusing elements of it. So I, I guess let me start there. You know, like I just said, myself, who's someone who was already comfortable with technology in many ways, did still felt a little out of my element with it. What's your background? Do you come from a background of technology or is this is is this all brand new for you? So I've considered myself a tech geek since the 1990s. I was mm. I was brought up in the computing age when the internet was gaining widespread acceptance through America Online and Prodigy Network. And uh, we were building computers. So I, you know, I went to college and rather than just buying a computer, I kind of assembled mine and really got into that whole tech side of things. I've always enjoyed automation. I've enjoyed, you know, not formal programming, but building websites, just digging into technology. And that's what has blown my mind too is, I heard about Bitcoin and you say Bitcoin, it's almost like saying the Kleenex of, of cryptocurrency, <laughs> right. In a way, right? Like when I say, when I say Bitcoin, I do mean cryptocurrency in general, but Bitcoin is the leader. It is the first, it is the, the most valuable at the current time. So, you know, I did first hear about Bitcoin probably around when you did 2010, 2012, and it sounded like a waste of money. It sounded like it had no value. It sounded like a fad. And man, do I wish I had just put a hundred dollars in it back then. We all do. And, you know, one of my things that I've kind of said whenever I have people now ask me, you know, about getting involved in this and if I regret, you know, having missed a big opportunity and what I tell them is, you know, I might've missed the first eight or 10 years, but I'm not going to miss the next 80 because we are still so early you know, less than 1% of the world has exposure to Bitcoin. Mm. I mean, it is, we are so unbelievably early and it is growing at a rate where 2022 is going to be huge. The, the, the amount of new wallets and new addresses that are coming on the market in the cryptocurrency world, because this is all public, like the, the public ledger is one of the reasons it's it's so safe and it's trackable and people can do good business in it. it, it it's not this criminal backdoor enterprise. It's actually extremely public, more so than cash transactions, which can occur in a back alley. 
you know, Bitcoin transactions are on a, done on a public ledger that are encrypted and backed up. And so there's actually a lot of legitimacy to it. And a lot of myths kind of miss the boat on that. But nonetheless, so we know that Bitcoin activity and transactions are going skyrocketing. And the trajectory is unbelievable. The adoption and institutions, the uh, the fidelities, the Charles Schwab's of investing, they are frantically looking into how to get exposure for their clients to Bitcoin and to cryptocurrency. And this is incredible news for the market. And that again, that just all comes back to that it's not too late. And we might have missed the first part, but those people who took that risk back in 2012 and might have spent $1,000, they probably deserve the benefit they got because they took a huge risk. Right now, it's still a risky investment. And again, none of what we're talking about is financial advice at Crypto Dads Investing. We don't provide financial advice. We're happy to tell you what we do and the decisions that we're making as part of a shared education and, you know, kind of a collective group mentality. And we do that as part of our lessons. However, the what we're seeing is people are moving in this direction and it's a more exciting time now than in five, 10 years from now. I mean, if one of the quotes by someone who's incredibly well-connected in the space and has been really leading the charge is Michael Saylor. And mm-hmm. he uh, gives an analogy or makes a statement very publicly. Again, he's not hiding that he's figured this out, but he's made some incredible investment decisions in, in companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, and um, uh, Tesla. Well, actually, maybe he's not in Tesla, but anyways, these other Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and what he said was special about them when he got involved was that they were changing the world. They were a disruptive technology and no one understood them. Mm. Is there anything right now, spoiler <laughs> <in laughs> alert, that sounds exciting or similar? Now, granted, there's no guarantees in life, but if you apply that equation and you look at the data and you look at the adoption at Crypto Dads, we are so excited for the next decade. And Bitcoin is very poorly understood, which I hope we can change some of that today. And frankly, yeah, if, and if depending on where this goes, if you want to talk about what Bitcoin is and like those different technologies that I'm all in, that's, that's have a great conversation here tonight. Yeah, no. I, and that's an interesting um, person that you brought up, uh, Sailor. I, I think I saw him on, are you familiar with, I think it's Robert Breedlove. Is that, is that I'm not. <clears throat> either way? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I've watched several hours actually of a, of a podcast interview with the individual you're just describing. And he does a great job of explaining um, why this makes sense. Now, to be clear, it is a much more um, in, in-depth <laughs> and involved and nuanced conversation than we could have because I could not participate in that conversation. And I think, honestly, probably is better for someone who uh, is a little more familiar with this kind of stuff already um, versus someone who maybe this is all just Greek to them. I think what you guys are doing makes a lot more sense as, as an entry point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll start there. You know, something that I hear people say when it comes to crypto is that it's fake. <laughs> it's fake money, right? Like it's not real. And they're comparing that to something like the dollar, 
And I'm just curious if you can talk a little bit about, and again, I don't mean to make it, I guess, like an economics lesson or something, but to some extent, like why, why is it not actually that different than any other I think currency? It's, I think it's extremely important to answer this question. In fact, anyone putting five, ten dollars or a thousand dollars into an asset like this should probably be comfortable with the answer that I'm about to give because you don't want to buy uh, something and have it go up in smoke and literally evaporate in front of you, right? So you want to understand what it is. And to very directly answer your question comes down to what is a currency? And we talk about this in some of our early lessons and the a currency can be anything. It's essentially a medium that allows an exchange of, of goods. So back in early times, people exchanged seashells because they were, they were rare. Maybe they had perceived value. And if you said, well, I'll give you fish if you give me some seashells and then you could take those seashells because maybe you didn't need, uh, you know, you gave up your fish, but you didn't need what that person had, but then you could take your seashells and then give it to someone else who was making rope. So then you, you converted those seashells into someone for rope and then they took your seashells and that was like early currency. That's a true story. Well, then along the lines, much, much, much later in history, we came up with this paper money that was uh, fiat currency. So the U.S. dollar is paper currency. Well, everyone thinks of this kind of magical, very mythically happy, you know, gold room in Fort Knox that's backing up all of the U.S. dollars. And that sometime in, if there's a major event that you could go to Fort Knox and give them your dollars and they would give you some gold because it's backed by gold. Well, that's not true and hasn't been true since 1971. And a lot of people don't know that because, again, it's perpetuated in cartoons and, and on TV, but that that's not true anymore. So the only thing that's backing the U.S. dollar is it says it, I believe, on the bill. It says faith and trust in the U.S. government. That's the only thing that's backing the U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. So granted, we have good reason to have faith and trust in our government. We live here. They they provide safety and safe housing, especially with everything going on in the world today. I'm very thankful for our country and our armed forces and everything that the dollar represents in America. I'm a very proud American. However, I'm not very happy with how the currency has been treated. And we talk about this a lot at Crypto Dads Investing, that the dollar has been just abused in the past two years. Little known fact that 80% of all of the dollars in the history of existence of the dollar have been printed in the last 24 months. That means that if you held a dollar 36 months ago, they printed so much additional money, the level of inflation that we're living through right now, and it's going to only be like noticed in the economy, like for month and month and month forward from now is astronomical. And they can do that anytime they want because they're the government and they have good reasons to, and they, they, they make, you know, they kind of make excuses to do that because they feel like they need to something like Bitcoin, Bitcoin in particular is a finite supplied currency, meaning there will can only ever be 21 million Bitcoins from here until forever. 
there's going to be less. There's a very strong estimation that there will only ever be 18 million. And in fact, it's going to be deflationary because what happens is people lose their Bitcoin occasionally. Someone Mm. has a wallet address and it's sad, but they might get into a car accident and die. No one knows where that wallet address password is. Their Bitcoin's gone. They never left it to their, their, their next of kin, whatever that Bitcoin is a did it's digital property. It is a digital asset. So the same way that that piece of paper that you're holding as a dollar is an asset, it's something that you hold that has value. Bitcoin does too. It just is digital in nature. It's, it's an algorithm, a, a, digitally programmed algorithm code that you hold the property, the rights to that is deemed valuable by the world at large. And lo and behold, something that started out having values that was fractions of a penny and then became worth dollars and then became worth dozens of dollars and then became worth hundreds and then thousands is now worth $38,000. That piece of digital property, one Bitcoin. It, it is a real, it is as real as anything digitally can be real and you own it. You can either store it online or you can store it offline in a wallet that is unhackable, that is unstealable. But if your house burns down, just like if you held a million dollars in a drawer and your house burns down, the million dollars disappears. That's the same thing that would happen in in the same exact way to Bitcoin that is held offline or much like online banking, people have online bank accounts with $12,000 in it. You have an online bank account, cryptocurrency account with $12,000 worth of Bitcoin in it. There's really a lot of similarities and it's when you start to realize where the future is going and the power of the internet and the security of it, it's actually quite exciting and liberating to think about, how much more efficient and universal and the fact that it's uh, encrypted in in a degree to a degree that it is literally unhackable. You know, we talk about in a few of our lessons how the computing power of a computer that it would take to actually hack Bitcoin would be about a million times stronger than the world's current strongest computer. And that's literally, I, I, you think that I'm paraphrasing by saying a million, but if you do the math, because they figured out what it would take to hack the Bitcoin algorithm, and it's literally a million times stronger than the current largest, most powerful computer. Now it can be stolen. Someone can steal your passcode or your phrase, but that to me isn't hacking. That's just theft or, but people right. can do that with safes or with your online banking code too. People can steal your identity. So those things are, that's kind of the same as real uh, as U.S. dollars, but if from a hacking perspective, everyone's afraid of this just disappearing, and it in fact is quite the opposite. It's backed up on this blockchain, which is another scary kind of term that I'm happy to get into if you like. But the blockchain is the extremely secure ledger of sorts that records all of these transactions across the entire world, across hundreds or thousands of nodes that it all times backs up and encrypts all of these transactions. So in a way it's extremely secure and very, uh, very non back dark alley. It's extremely out in the open. It's, uh, uh, it's frankly, you know, one of the, 
the most straightforward upfront ways to do business and, and, and have your digital property, uh, kind of held. It, it's, it, it's magnificent. Yeah. The level of transparency with it is, is, is very high. And I mean, there's a couple of things that you've touched on so far that I just want to reiterate because I think they're important points. And, you know, the first one is, is something, a narrative that you constantly hear in the media and I'm, I'm jumping back a few minutes here, but a narrative you constantly hear in the media is, is exactly one you mentioned earlier that like, well, cryptocurrency could be used on the dark web, which is also just kind of a very vague, nefarious sounding term. Um, and, and certainly it could, but to the point you made earlier, I mean, if someone wanted to do an illegal transaction, you know, with currency, the very best way to do that is what it's always been, which is cash, <laughs> because it's completely untraceable. And so I bring that up because to the next point that you just made also about um, just uh, there are elements of it that people will think like, oh, well, what if it got stolen? Or, oh, well, what if someone, what if this helps further nefarious things? Well, money already, currency already does all of that. And so cryptocurrency doesn't necessarily solve all of those problems, but it doesn't introduce them as new problems either. So the fact that someone could steal something from you again, to the point you just made already exists today. Um, but the thing that I think is really important about what you just talked about that is different about cryptocurrency, or at least Bitcoin specifically, is this transparent ledger and the and how difficult and really almost impossible it is to inflate it. And and I certainly, you know, just like yourself, patriotic person and, and not trying to go down a road of political conversation or, you know, monetary policy <laughs> debate or something, but it's just an objective fact that yeah, the the amount of money that's been added to the the system over the last couple of years is uh, unprecedented, is an understatement, and and that literally isn't possible with Bitcoin. So it's it's like I feel like if people really understood the security that it actually offers, like this is what everyone would be demanding. Anyway, I didn't ask a question there as much as just wanted to reiterate those points because they're That's they're huge. Really well done. Yes, clearly you have you have a good understanding of this as well. And to to build upon that, I, I want to share this one analogy about the fact that it really is digital property. It would be akin to buying land in New York City or land in downtown London in the 1700s, and that land is owned. You own it. And if someone else wants it, the price of it's going to go up because it is valuable. It has, it serves a need there. Uh, there's only so much, there can be no more, no new land created on Manhattan Island. And if our great, great, great grandparents could have taken a loan and, or put some of their stash, some of their, their extra you know, savings for the month into buying a, a block in Manhattan Island 300 years ago. I mean, can you imagine what the value of that would be today? Right. And we are living in that exact analogy. We are right in, towards the front end of it because that is Bitcoin. It is a digital property that has a finite amount that extremely large amount of smart investing very intelligent people have decided this has immense value and it is it is going to be extremely limited and it is going to increase in value over time and obviously 
you always have to say this isn't financial advice and there's no guarantees, but gosh, if you look at the, if you look at the history of it, it sure, it sure as heck feels very exciting to own a piece of that property. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't know, to some extent, this might just sound hypish or something, but you know, I go to podcast conferences on an annual basis. And uh, last year when I was at the conferences, I was talking to other guys who were going to entire conferences just about crypto. And all of those people are big time investors. And obviously investors uh, are wrong too. So just because someone's investing in something doesn't mean it's an absolute sure thing, just like you're saying. But my point just being to, to kind of support what you're saying that like, we're, it's not 2012 anymore. So it's not people just wildly speculating like, man, I'm pretty sure this could be okay. Like people who are very, very serious about their money and who spend most of their time thinking about their money and how it grows um, are, are on board with this. So it certainly warrants, you know, taking, can I share an example of that? Please. One of the, one of the reasons that I got most excited about this was I heard that Bill Miller, who I didn't know who Bill Miller was, until I, until I started researching and looking into this space. Well, Bill Miller is a gentleman that ran a hedge fund that beat his head, his hedge fund beat the S and P 500 return 15 years in a row from the late nineties into the two thousands. Now someone could say, well, yeah, you know, it was a great time, everyone, but that's beating the S that's, that's not just saying that he made money for people. I mean, but he, he beat, the S&P 500, which is the kind of going average. And most hedge fund managers from what I've now looked into have trouble beating it more than two years in a row. So right. he's literally been deemed the greatest investor of all time, kind of given that title because he pulled something off that seemed impossible. He right now, just in the last few months, has gone all in on cryptocurrency investing. So he owned, he admitted he owned a little bit in 2012. He bought a little bit. He didn't really know and he watched. And then in 2022, in January, he decided, or I, I don't know if it's December, January, but it was right in the last like four months. He invested and now shared that half of his personal net worth is invested in Bitcoin and the other half is invested in Amazon. Wow. He, he owns two things. And when I heard that, when I heard that someone who understands markets on a level that that I can't even fathom mm-hmm. is all in on this and he knows, it's almost like he has a crystal ball. There are no real crystal balls yet that I know of, but it's almost like this guy might be the closest thing to having one on markets. And he put 50% of his billionaire level wealth into an asset. I feel like that sent off signs to me that... What am I doing? What do I think I have figured out that this guy hasn't? And maybe I should just be following really smart people. Mm-hmm. And so at Crypto Dads Investing, we we teach people how to get $10 a Bitcoin. A lot of people might think, oh, I can't afford $38,000 Bitcoin. Well, the great part is with technology and what we have, the tools that we recommend you, that people use, you can buy a dollar of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And you could buy a dollar every week and set it on cruise control. If that's all you can afford, and then come back in five years and see see what that has turned into a dollar a day, or or go all in like Bill Miller did. But the the moral of that is, it 
seems to be such a great time to get in. It, it feels like an exciting, if, if uh, so many people think we're too late and that's my, that's been our biggest thing. You know, if I could put it on a billboard, it would be, it's not too late. We are, it, the big money isn't even in yet. And this thing has such higher to go. It, it, it's really exciting Walker. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I share your sentiment. Um, I think it's easy to think that, especially in the last couple of years, you know, at the beginning of 2020, I think it was like 4,000 for a Bitcoin somewhere roughly. Sounds right. And then was like 20 ish by the end and then spiked up to 60 at some point And now has come back and settled into, you know, 38 to 40 range roughly. And so it's like, oh, well, there was the big boom. And then now it's, you know, it's back down. But I, I, I have to agree with you because there's just not the level. There's, I mean, the whole reason that what you guys are doing with Crypto Dads makes sense is because there are so many people who are not participating. So I, I, I would be, I, yeah, I can't believe <laughs> that we're close to the where it, its final price point is. Um, so yeah, the other, the other end of cryptocurrency in general is beyond even Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and we have lessons. So what? One of the things, you know, spoiler alert, one of the things that we offer at Crypto Dads Investing is this launch pack. Oh, and by the way, I should mention, you can put in the show notes, we have a free intro kind of lesson to the launch pack on our Crypto Dads app that's in Android and iPhone store. And I'll, I'll, I'll send this to you. I'll give you the links for the show notes. But anyone can go to the site and just put in their name and email address very anonymously, no big deal. And you'll get a link to download the app and watch the first couple lessons we have uh, really nice lessons that Naz and I make and deep dives where we get into all of this. And one of the things that people also don't understand is even beyond Bitcoin, there are some really exciting investment opportunities, but not also very scary when you get outside of Bitcoin, because it, I'd love to go down the path for your listeners so that we don't, I don't want people to lose money in careless ways because right it is a wild, wild west of sorts in the crypto world. There are meme coins. There are obviously the dog coins. Mm -hmm. There are all of these, you name it. There's actually well over 12,000 cryptocurrencies. And it's estimated that over 95% of them will go bankrupt. So now that leaves, that's just for math purposes, say 5% kind of succeed or serve a purpose. That's still like five or 600 cryptocurrencies that have a utility and might serve a purpose. We at Crypto Dads look pretty much, we look in the top 10, like just right. take the 10 most valuable ones that are serving uh, a need and, and very useful and doing exciting things and technologies and product projects that are, that are changing the world. So one of those is way cryptocurrency handles transactions. We we have an analogy that I came up with that, you know, I was, I was talking on vacation to a friend about what he, he just kind of wanted to know why you should care about technology of cryptocurrency and how it was changing the world. I said, look, in the 1960s and 70s, people used checks. They would write their name on a check that had their, we still do it today a little bit, you know, their account number and a routing number, and then you sign it and give it to them. Here's $10,000. I bet there were people at the, in those in those decades that were saying, I would never give out my information. How what's this check worth ten thousand dollars? That's that's crazy. I only work with cash or, you know, or why like all these, you know, as technology changes and then you have 
in the 80s and 90s, you have ATM machines and credit cards that are now swiping. And I can hear my dad saying now, I'm not using an ATM machine. I just carry cash in my hard cash in my wallet. You know, and then you have PayPal and Venmo in the 2000s and 2010s. In, in the 2020s, it is crypto. Like we're still at what, 2022 last I checked. So it's here and we have crypto where transactions occur in 400 milliseconds with the security that is unbreakable and costs like one ten thousandth of a penny to occur mm -hmm. across the world because it's on the blockchain and there's these amazingly fast cryptocurrencies that transact within 65,000 transactions per second they travel. Mm. So on the order of Visa and MasterCard, but without the eight intermediaries that are all taking their fifth of a percent. Why do you think if you go to a restaurant, some of them say, yeah, if you use a credit card, we're just gonna charge you 3% more. It's because the right. credit card companies are paying all this money and it's traveling and it takes, how long does it take them to get their money after you swipe it? I had a small business. It takes like five to six days sometimes to get your money from Visa. Mm. Well, guess what? If you use some of these cryptocurrencies as payment and there's, there's platforms that are being developed and again, we talk about this in Crypto Dads Investing, which ones that we really like because they are changing the world. Then at that point, these transactions are occurring in milliseconds. People are buying houses with Ethereum. People are using credit cards to go across the world. Naz happens to be from the Ukraine. He actually uh, wow. immigrated here with his parents when he was three. He has 11 siblings and he, recently i'm getting chills as i tell you this but he sent his uncle who lives west of kiev bitcoin because the banks were shut down hmm. and his uncle used bitcoin to barter for food gas and ammunition wow because the banks were shut down he had no money he was out of money so right. now sent him bitcoin it was there within minutes Largely, when we've been talking so far, we've been talking about, you know, I, well, you've been saying cryptocurrency, and then I just talk about Bitcoin <laughs> very narrowly. <laughs> um, but that's because I, I think that Bitcoin is the easiest entry point, right? Or the easiest one to kind of understand because it's the most popular one. Um, I agree. And it can get so confusing. Um, but you're right that there is a, a, a healthy amount. Well, healthy if 12,000 is probably unhealthy, but <laughs> there's, there's a, a large volume of cryptocurrencies. And I do think some of the others are probably long-term valid also in the same way that Bitcoin is. So I'm curious, can you talk a bit about the way that I've kind of come to understand 
let's just take now Bitcoin and Ethereum as an example. Mm-hmm. So I've I've kind of come to to understand that Bitcoin is maybe best understood as a direct comparison with something like gold or a precious metal, where it's a an investment, a wealth store, right? Vehicle. Um, but maybe long term isn't something that people will be using to buy gas at the gas station, right? Um, Agree. Whereas Ethereum is far more geared to be transactional. So can you kind of, again, I, I just kind of muddled through that, but can you just describe what those differences are for, for the listeners? Absolutely. So exactly like you described, I'm not even going to repeat it. Bitcoin is a store of wealth and is more like digital gold in analogy. Ethereum is another type of cryptocurrency. It is tokenized. There is an Ethereum network that has programs that are written to use it. And there are tokens that are digital property that are used on the Ethereum network. And they are used for transactions and smart contracts in particular. Smart contracts are data on the blockchain. Blockchain is data that is put into blocks that knows what data is in front of it and knows what data is behind it. That's why it's called a chain, almost like a train. If you knew that certain data, much like a train has hitches, had to be in a certain spot, you can never remove, delete, or change it because the blockchain is replicated over hundreds or thousands of computers or nodes across the world. So if you had a chain that always had a certain order and then you replicated it everywhere, you could never hack it because you would have to hack every single separate computer. And these smart contracts that are on the blockchain are extremely secure. And Ethereum handles many more transactions per second than Bitcoin. So Ethereum handles, I believe, 10 or 15 transactions per second. Bitcoin can handle the Bitcoin network, I think, two to five uh, if I knew I was going to be giving stats, I would have looked these up beforehand. But for our, for our listeners' purposes, I think that those are at least good estimates. Well, there's another technology. There are many other technologies. One of the other ones that we talk about at Crypto Dads Investing and what we think about it is called Solana. Hmm. Solana handles 65,000 transactions per second. Hmm. So there's a technology called Solana Pay. That is being used much more like a credit card because the transactions occur essentially instantaneously and they cost 0.00001 cents to occur. So extremely efficient, extremely reliable, encrypted, transactionally pure, and is changing the way these transactions are handled. Mm. So... Something else that you'd touched on that I think is not true for Ethereum, and, and I'm not sure, I, I, I don't know about all of the others, certainly, but, you know, Bitcoin has a fixed supply. Ethereum does not have a fixed supply. Well, is that true? I guess I said that as a fact. I'll, I'll just, is that accurate? <laughs> I, I dislike going on record with things that I am not 100% certain of. That's fair. However, the way I've understood it is Ethereum is programmed to at some point in the near future. I think it was expected to occur sooner than it than now, but it, it hasn't happened yet because of the way the algorithm is written. 
but it's supposed to become deflationary. So it's actually supposed to become uh, deflationary to the extent that they destroy more tokens as transactions occur than tokens mm. are created and mined. Mining is a funny term. We think of miners with like a flashlight on their helmet with like a pickaxe inside mm. of a, a, a mountain mining for like gold or silver. Mining in cryptocurrency is people who own and operate powerful computers that validate data on the blockchain. So essentially it's these computers in warehouses or basements that are constantly working to validate and make the whole system secure. So they're they're donating essentially their computing power in turn for some tokens. And that's what mining is, by the way, which is pretty cool. Mm. And the mining that's creating and being gifted as new tokens, more tokens are being burned mm. over time. So it's actually turning deflationary, mathematically programmed deflationary. Bitcoin is programmed to only have 21 million tokens that can ever, ever, ever be mined, period. So as people lose them, and only 18 million have been mined to this point, and the mining process is programmed and slows down to the point where I think the last Bitcoin will be mined like after 2100 or something because oh. it, it goes down. But it, at that point, that one last Bitcoin that'll get mined might be worth like, 48 million dollars or something i mean who knows because again this is like property in new york right if in 1642 you wanted a block on new york you might have paid i don't know 25 cents we have no i don't even know how that works. right and i'm talking I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably making myself sound very silly to the people out there who know the history but nonetheless i think my analogy is fair and yes, I, I hope I answered your question that there are currencies that are fixed and there are currencies that are not. And that is a, an analysis that at Crypto Dads Investing, we take very seriously when we think about which tokens we might want to invest our hard-earned money in. Mm. The finite supply or not does play into it. It doesn't alone mean that something isn't valuable if there's inflation or new tokens being created. But it is one factor that you might want to consider. Right. Um, you know, I, I, and something else that I, that, I, that, you know, I was really excited um, when I when I booked you as a guest on the show to talk about this, because I think the other um, uh, I'm a loss of words to some extent. The other thing that I that I think is an unfair um, narrative, I guess, in this conversation is that people will talk about investing in cryptocurrency as if, you know, well, hey, there's a lot of risk in that. And you don't, you know, we don't, it's all new and we're not really sure. But most people who work at corporations are um, solicited from their employer, <laughs> myself included, as someone who works at a corporation, to invest in a 401k, um, where you're literally handing your money to an institution that you otherwise don't have a relationship with and and hey, like let's let's hope that this works out together, right? Um, my you know my mom in two thousand and eight, she she was close to retirement. She lost half of her four hundred one k literally overnight when the stock market crashed. Um, you know something that that was really popular last year for people paying attention to this stuff at least, and, and maybe even beyond that was the whole Wall Street bets fiasco on Reddit that that kind of happened where 
you know, GameStop yes. was propped up <laughs> and, and it shouldn't be right. But anyway, my, my point isn't really to try and assassinate the stock market or, or to argue that, that that's not good or, or something like that. My point is more that like it, it, it again, just like cryptocurrency is not more vulnerable to nefarious transactions than cash or anything else. It's also, I don't think more vulnerable to risk than something like stocks and bonds and mutual funds and all of the, and the whole stock market space. I mean, people can lose everything there just the same. And I think that there's this, again, narrative now where that's like this more figured out safe space, you know, being the stock market versus this wild west of crypto. And I just don't feel like they're that different. Does any of what I said make any sense? And if so, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's spot on. I think you nailed it. And it's just that it's it's just that it's more volatile than even some yes. of the most volatile stocks. But other than that, that depending on your perspective is either more exciting or more scary. Right. And I would argue very passionately that if you're in this for the five year, the 10 year play, which most investors really are, most of us are not day traders or speculators in that way that where we're, we're trying to ride and sell every peak and sell every drop. But the, if you're in any investment, especially I believe in cryptocurrency, the, the data supports a strong likelihood of it going up in value. And I believe the potential gains and outlook in the crypto market, especially in the blue chip investments that we kind of talk about and that we analyze and look into, it's those that I believe had an extremely solid, exciting return over the next five to 10 years. Within any given month or within any given year, it could be devastating. Absolute, we're in one right now, which is actually extremely exciting if anyone has some cash sitting around or wants to make some changes because we are sitting at some bottoms, really, really big bottoms in technologies that have an immensely exciting future. So unless something dramatically changes and there are these things called black swan events, which are the unpredictable, unpredictable variables, like mm -hmm. they're there, there's things you could never see happening like COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Those things will derail a market for an extended period of time. But outside of those things happening, the if the technologies are here to stay, I believe, the future is incredibly bright and at rates of return that far exceed what the stock market can yield. And when I talk about blue chips and these pristine investments – we at Crypto Dads Investing, we talk about a lot of the technologies that are more akin to the Amazons, Googles, Tesla, you know, um, the, the big companies that, that solved problems and have a bright future. Now, remember back in the 1990s during the dot-com era, there were hundreds of new dot-coms popping up and people were making a lot of money and then they, so many of them went flat. Mm -hmm. Well, guess who's still around? Google. Uh, Amazon, mm -hmm. Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Well, if you find the right ones, the ones who are leading the pack and you stick with them and you don't try to buy lottery tickets, because that's what a lot of these, these, these lower coins that are worth like fractions of a penny and people want to put a thousand dollars in them and then become a millionaire in a week. Those are just lottery tickets in my, yeah. the way I see them. And yeah. 
people do win the lottery. It happens, but it's not a really sound investment strategy in my book. Again, not financial advice, but the, the blue chip investments that we find and look at are the ones where I feel very secure that in three, five, 10 years are going to give me that return. That's exciting for my family, for my daughter, for her education. And yeah. that's where I think very much echoing what you said, you can lose 50% of your investment in the stock market like your mom did. Mm -hmm. The problem is that was in 2008 for stocks. That could occur every two to three years in the crypto market. So unless you have a longer range outlook, crypto is scary and does have wild dips and peaks. But that's also what makes it so so incredibly opportunistic, especially now because we're at what we think are bottoms. Right. So for anyone listening, it's like, this is just such an exciting time to talk about it because when everyone's scared is whenever you should be putting your chips on the table in my, in my estimation. Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree. And again, again, my point wasn't to, to try and demonize the stock market or, or, or to imply that there's less risk with crypto or anything like that. It, again, more, it was just to, to demonstrate that like, that's not, <laughs> the stock market is not this, the, the safe haven either. Um, you know, just like we were talking about with the theft earlier, when you could, you could get robbed of your wallet with cash in it, or you, maybe someone steals your digital wallet and passcode, right? Yep. Theft, you know, the, all, the risks of, of the world, unfortunately, um, are not solved <laughs> by these technologies. Um, would be awesome if they were, but maybe that's someday. one of the things we do too at, <laughs> at, at Crypto Dads. We talk about the, the wallets and yeah. the companies that we like because there's companies that'll be happy to charge you 4% fees, but then there's ones that'll charge you 1%. Right. And then there's wallets that aren't, that we think are very suspicious. And then there's wallets that have $20 billion of assets invested in them. And we believe are fantastically reliable and secure. Yeah. So that's one of the thing like Naz has been in this longer than me. And he has made a lot of these mistakes that we don't want people to have to go through those growing pains because it can be expensive. Yeah. We want to solve that. Right. Right. No, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I, I mean, I, I, I'll say I've done this in the wrong order. So I had in, in spring of 2020, I had a guy on who um, is a, a cryptocurrency day trader. And so I had him on to talk about <laughs> cryptocurrency, but you can imagine someone who's in it at that level <laughs> doesn't quite translate to someone who's never heard of it. And I mean, he was to his credit, I mean, he's a very generous person and, and, you know, grateful for his time, but it was like right around when the Bitcoin having was getting ready to take place. And he's, you know, which again, it's all interesting, but it's way more technical than, you know, I'm not comfortable with the term blockchain. Right. Right. Um, and then, and then following that, I had a guy who's actually from my hometown, um, who created his own, him and a, a group of individuals, but they created their own cryptocurrency. They're one of the 12,000. So yet again, like super generous guy, really interesting conversation, but not really an entry point into this conversation uh, if you're creating your own <laughs> cryptocurrency. Um, right. So I really, I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate this conversation and you, you know, sharing these things that you have. And I think that, you know, there, there are so many different angles to it. You know, we've talked about, whether it's a store of wealth versus whether or not you're using it as a transaction, um, talking about the different wallets, the different types of 
you know, there are the more serious coins, there's the meme coins, and I would share your sentiment that they're kind of lottery ticket-ish. Um, one final thing I wanted to ask you about, and it, it kind of veers out, but it's part of the whole cryptocurrency conversation, and it's something that I hear constantly in the media now, um, and that is NFTs. Um, can you talk a little bit about NFTs, and is that something that crypto dads investing speaks to, or is that more outside of the pale of where you're looking currently? Because it's not really a currency per se. Sure. So NFTs are non-fungible tokens, and it's extremely complicated to to really wrap our yes. minds around what that is. <laughs> but the way that I personally understand it, and just so no one crucifies me, it may not be exactly a perfect analogy, but I think of it as almost having a patent or staking a trademark to an image or to some type of data and saying that I now own the rights to this image. I say image because right now those are the most common types right. of NFTs. I've heard someone mint their house as an NFT. I've heard that someone can mint you know, artwork or other abstract art as NFTs. But most commonly right now, images are being traded. What that is, is it would be the, the way I've shared this, and we at CryptoDadsInvesting.com, we don't get into NFTs because right now it is an extremely uh, kind of scary and what the true wild, wild west yeah. of investing <laughs> opportunities because there's a lot of nefarious things happening in that world where someone mints an NFT. Let's just say someone draws – like right now there are these drawings of like I guess sleepy apes or gorillas. And someone draws this this artwork digitally and they they mint it, which is a process. It takes a little bit of money to mint, almost like trademarking. And they say, this, this property now has worth. I'm going to sell it. And someone wants to buy it. But what people are doing, and this is just to, to let people know and let your listeners know to be careful if they want to get into NFT purchasing and selling. There are people out there with multiple wallet addresses which are very easy to do in this world, almost like email accounts. You mm -hmm. can have multiple wallets and they will mint an NFT and have one wallet buy it for $100. And then they'll sign in with another wallet the next day and buy it for 500. And then they'll sign in with a different wallet and buy it for a thousand. And then they'll list it for auction. And someone will see that this artwork is getting all very expensive and people are buying it. Mm. And then someone will buy it for $2,000. And then there's no, now you're left holding the bag. Right. And no one wants it. It, it. It's a it's a it's a circle with a red dot inside of it. Mm. And you have you now own the rights to this circle with a red dot inside of it. That's a minted NFT, but no one wants it. it. It would be more like having a Monet painting. There's there's might be only one version of that Monet painting. You can you can copy it. You can print it. You can illegally do whatever you want with those Monet paintings. We we probably there are listeners who probably have reprints or images on their wall or on their computer of famous Vincent van Gogh photos. Mm -hmm. Those things occur, but there's only one person or one, you know, starry night. I, I think I'm not an art guy, but I think there's, you know, maybe there's only one starry night and right. that's like the minted NFT. That person gets to brag that they have it. It has value. They could probably sell it for $50 million. But someone has to want it. And NFTs are, as simply put, just that that minting, that trademarking of an image as digital property. And then there's this world of selling it. And it's occurring 
in in the block on the blockchain and using cryptocurrency because that is transactionally very easy to do. It's very universal. You don't have to uh, go through banks and do all this. So there's also uh, a, a strong use case for cryptocurrency to supplement and be used for these NFT purchases. But it also makes it more difficult if there's any illegal activities done. You know, there's been a lot of stories lately highlighting the risks of NFTs. Yeah. And I, I kind of anticipated that you would have, I mean, I didn't know exactly what you were going to say, but I, I thought your position would probably be similar to that. Um, and thank you for that. And I wanted to bring it up just because, again, I think in this world of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology, um, there are just so many <laughs> phrases and acronyms and all of this being thrown around and all of it can sound really foreign and that can lead to it sounding overwhelming. Um, and so I think it's important to highlight that you know, to participate in, if you wanted to purchase some Bitcoin does not mean that you need to understand NFTs and, and get into the world of buying gifts. And the best thing is for <laughs> anyone who wants to buy $10 of Bitcoin, you don't even have to know how a blockchain works. Right. You don't have to know uh, about finite supply. You just have to uh, be able to, if, if someone can sign up for PayPal, they can sign up for the exchanges that we at CryptoDadsInvesting.com recommend and buy very small amounts, very safely, very securely, in our opinion. Yeah. Well, Mike, I, like I said a few minutes ago, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and, uh, and, and having this conversation and kind of talking about cryptocurrency from just a, a very high level and an, an introductory point. Um, again, your website is CryptoDadsInvesting.com. You guys also have an app, and I know you'd mentioned earlier that you have a link um, to an introduction, and I'll, I'll have that in the show notes. Can you, can you just reiterate again what that is, though? Absolutely. So if you go to CryptoDadsInvesting.com, the first screen you're going to see is an opportunity to put in just your name and email address where you'll get a reply with an email that tells you exactly to click a link and get our app. Our app is specifically just CryptoDads Investing. It's in the uh, iOS, iPhone environment and Android, but it's under a, a slightly different name. So you can't search for it directly. So the best way to get it is to go right to our website. And then what that does is it gives you a flavor of what our launch pack is. In the launch pack is just a one-stop shop of exactly what anyone with zero tech knowledge without millionaires and millions of dollars needs to just get online and safely, securely, confidently buy some cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Ethereum. You know, Then in the launch pack, we talk about why we like certain ones, why we invest in certain things, what, how to get better interest on your assets. Like banks give you, and this is a whole different topic. We've all, I know we're out of time, but like banks give you a 0.1% annual interest rate. There are places that securely and safely give you up to 10% for just storing what is already yours. And, and that's, those are the things we talk about in the launch pack that helps. It's like all the things that we wished we would have known whenever we were getting started. We just put that very simply into like a really compact, quick little lessons with PDF, step-by-step -step instructions. And like I said, you can get a flavor of it just by downloading the app by visiting the website. Awesome. No, I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that. I actually had in my notes, I meant to bring up staking and earning interest and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it just goes to show me we've been talking for an hour and even things that I had in my notes that I wanted to cover, let alone extra extemporaneous things that have come up that we didn't get to. Um, 
I think it just points to to why there's value in, in what you guys are offering. So um, again, I'll have links in the show notes, CryptoDadsInvesting.com. Mike, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. that's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Mike for stopping by and sharing his walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. 
And last but not least, thank you for listening. I also invite you to check out my other shows, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we talk about the idea of why gaming matters, or my other show, The Crowfall Podcast, which shares stories and perspectives from the MMO Crowfall. As always, thanks for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.